Welcome to the Balancing Hormones Naturally podcast, where we offer you actionable steps you can take today to start balancing your hormones naturally. This is your podcast host, Leah Brueggemann. I'm a functional diagnostic nutritional practitioner. This podcast is proud to partner with Aversio Wellness, where there is a mushroom for every moment, especially when it comes to hormonal balance. Their quality and purity is unmatched, but their golden ticket, the reason why I love them, is their high extraction so that you don't have to take a thousand pills to reach a therapeutic dosage. Let's dive on in. This is such a wonderful episode. So I just got done recording with Megan Lyons, who is a Harvard graduate. She has her MBA and used to be a management consultant in the business world. And we talked about cardiovascular health, cholesterol, brain health. And I know you're thinking, wait, what? I thought you said that she was a management consultant in the business world. I know, but back in 2014, she actually founded the Lion's Share Wellness because she went back to school to earn her master's degree in holistic nutrition and became double board certified in holistic nutrition and clinical nutrition. She has amassed over 10,000 hours of international one-to-one nutrition consulting with clients, and that's a lot of hours, and that tells you that clients must keep referring other clients for her to have amassed that many hours. So she really knows her stuff. And we had a really, really, really good chat. I'm excited for you to listen about all the connections between cholesterol and brain health. And of course, just just guess you guys, of course, we talked about blood sugar. Um, So I think you're really, really going to like it. We gave you some tips to deal with brain fog and all of the things to kind of do. Um, So I think you're going to really, really enjoy it. Don't forget, we are doing our um, monthly drawing for our giveaway winner. So how do you win? What do you win? You get to win a mushroom, a Versio mushroom set. So you get your choice of mushroom blend and capsule. So you guys, you might be able to get your hands on one of my favorites, which is the Awaken blend for energy and um, brain support and all of those things. So how do you win? Just go to Apple Podcasts, the Balancing Hormones Naturally podcast, rate and review and or you can share an episode to your social media and tag my instagram leah underscore b-r-u-e-g or the podcast instagram which is balancing hormones naturally if you have a private account remember after you share you have to screenshot it and send it to me in a dm because if it's a private account i can't see it and i won't enter you into the giveaway because i won't know so we're going to do a monthly um giveaway for this so this month's um, winner will be announced in February. So listen in, go join, enter. Best of luck. Hello, ladies. Welcome back. I'm excited for you to hear more about Megan. So I'll let you take it away, Megan. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, what got you started in health? What made you go down the, you know, the nerdy route to see what's going on underneath the surface? Absolutely. Well, the nerdy route has always been my path. So I love that that's how you started it out. I grew up as a normal, normal kid eating the standard American diet, didn't think twice about it. I did not know the value of movement or stress management or anything like that. I, I danced all through middle school, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, all of that. But aside from that, I really didn't think about health. And then I started dating my now husband on, we met on move-in day of college. He was on the track and cross country team. 
I thought he was cute, so I decided to try to get into running, and it did make me feel better for a while. I realized that focusing on your body and taking care of it was uh, a gift and something that was worthy of my attention and energy. However, I like to take everything possible to the max, so I started running too much for my own body, Mm -hmm. trying to get healthy, in quotes, too much, which then magazines were the equivalent of social media today. So I was reading Shape Magazine and fitness and all of this kind of stuff. And they were saying, spend two hours a day on the elliptical and, you know, eat a protein bar for lunch and all of this kind of stuff. And I, being a good rule follower, was just like, yes, sure, I'll do that. Obviously now I know differently that that is the opposite of health. But at that point, I just thought, great, my body's looking better. Let's keep going. Of course, now, as nutrition practitioners, we can probably assume where this wound up. When I was in my early 20s, I started feeling terrible, really burned out, started missing some periods here and there, just felt hormonally off. I went to a doctor at that point, and she ran some labs, and she said, wow, your hormones are lower than the postmenopausal women that I work with. You basically have no hormones. We have to put you on medication for the rest of your life. And I just had this feeling in my body that that was not the answer for me at 23 years old or however old I was. And that too, there was something that I did to cause this. I don't believe in blaming myself, but I do believe in taking responsibility. And that responsibility can be empowering because it also comes with something I can do to fix it. So that finally started me down the journey of real health, no longer reading the magazines and all of that kind of stuff. And the rest is history. I I did go back to my job in management consulting and spent several more years there and got an MBA and tried to stay in the business world, but keep my toe in the health world. And then it just became Mm -hmm. too much of a passion. I, I left the business world in 2014, started my business, The Lion's Share Wellness, and I just haven't looked back a day since. It's been amazing. Yeah, I totally get the spend two hours on an elliptical. Um, My parents have an elliptical. And (laughs) I remember being in college, like, that was the thing. Like, my dad would be like, you have to, you know, do all this cardio. You have to get on the elliptical. Um, You know, he had all these protein bars that would replace meals. And I just thought, like, that was was health. Like, I was... I always have a meat stick in my diaper bag, in my purse, everywhere I go. And my go-to choice of meat sticks is Paleo Valley Beef Sticks. They're my favorite. They're 100% grass-fed beef. They use organic spices. They're naturally fermented, so we don't have any citric acid or anything like that. And you guys, you know I harp on blood sugar balance, but can I tell you how handy it is to have a snack that is good for me, has a clean protein source, and tastes really good that I can just have on hand when needed. It's, it's the best. It is literally the best. On top of that, because they're fermented, they have naturally occurring probiotics. This really sets their beef sticks apart. So not only are you getting your protein in, not only are you getting lots of nutrients in, not only are you keeping your blood sugar happy, but now you are also giving your gut these amazing 
friendly probiotics and they also taste really really good so my favorite ones are the original the summer sausage and the teriyaki and i will tell you that my husband really likes the jalapeno so i'm not a totally spicy person so i did try it it's not over the top spicy but that is his favorite. My favorite is the teriyaki, the summer sausage, and the original. And I will always have those on hand. I love Paleo Valley. I love their transparency. I love their their commitment to quality ingredients. And I love their commitment to you to show that with their third-party testing and really explaining about their products. So you can go to paleovalley.com. P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y and you can use the code Leah to save 15% on your order. Okay, so I know we're going to talk about brain health and cholesterol and all of those good things, but I would love to start off with like the big cholesterol myths. Can we talk about them? Like what are the things that people always come to you like worried about cholesterol? Like what do you always hear? Absolutely. So a couple of myths right off the bat. The first one is that the total cholesterol is the most important number to look at. And the analogy that I always use, because I love basketball, Mm -hmm. is what if someone told me the total score of the basketball game was 220, but they didn't tell me anything else. I don't know if my team won. I don't know if it was a buzzer beater or it was a landslide. I don't know who played well. I really know nothing about the basketball game. I only know the total score was 220. And I feel that way about the total cholesterol of whatever number it is. I don't know what the risk is just by looking at your total cholesterol. The breakdown between HDL, LDL, triglycerides, and if we have even more advanced metrics, amazing. That's far more important. So that's myth number one. I also find a a common myth that everyone thinks lower cholesterol is better no matter what. And I'm not someone who's going to sit here and say we should all have cholesterol in the like super high range, but having too low of cholesterol is actually associated with things like cognitive decline, things like decreased health in, in a variety of aspects, certainly hormonal health. So it's like Goldilocks. We do want some cholesterol. It serves a wonderful purpose in our body. It's not bad, like people say. We just want to keep it, the, keep the ratios correct and keep our body working optimally. And if someone's like, okay, I have no idea what my cholesterol numbers are, how can they figure that out? So there are tons of ways to figure it out. Obviously, there are practitioners who will run labs. Cholesterol is a pretty basic lab to run. So I can't ever imagine a client that I haven't run a basic lipid panel on, but um, there are also at-home ways to do it. I think the testing for at-home labs is improving. I'm not sure Mm -hmm. I would put total confidence in it yet, depending on the lab, but there are plenty of direct-to-consumer options. Or if you have a general medical practitioner, like a a PCP or something like that, and you ask for your lipid panel, that's the term for cholesterol, they will absolutely give you that. Yeah. I feel like that is not a really hard fight (laughs) to get from your your PCP. They're like, sure, we'll do that. Um, That's right. There are lots of other fights, but not that one. 
That one's pretty basic, yeah. Uh, could you break down, if somebody doesn't know what, like, HDL and LDL and triglycerides are, could you break down, like, what those are and, like, what they mean, why they're important to look at on your lab? Yeah, absolutely. So first thing to clear up, because it's a little bit confusing how we label these things or what we call these things, but HDL and LDL aren't actually cholesterol. I think of them as like little taxi cabs that carry the cholesterol where they want to go. So the HDL is doing a, a really good job of of carrying the cholesterol particles and other kinds of things attached to it uh, to where it needs to go. And we want lots of those taxi cabs. We want lots of HDL. It's called high-density lipoprotein. You can just remember H means high, so we want it higher. So traditionally, people want... I mean, every lab has a different range, but a lot of times males uh, have a reference range of over 40, females have a reference range of over 50 or 60, depending on the lab. And I really haven't seen a person who has too high. There is um, familial hypercholesterolemia, so like genetic high cholesterol, and some of those people might have high HDL, but really it's not a problem. Like the higher, the better. If I get mine to a hundred or something like that, I feel great about it. Usually it's not quite that high, but I try. And the things that we can do for HDL are really focus on our good quality fats. So healthy fats, the right types of fats, increase our HDL in an appropriate way and exercise in an appropriate amount. Again, we heard my story. I was doing two hours on the elliptical. That's too much. Uh, but some exercise is a whole lot better than none. So for HDL, if we're simplifying it, we focus on healthy fats and exercise. Then for LDL, we want this lower. So L for low density lipoprotein, just remember lower, you want that low. Some labs have reference range under 150, really a, a better way to look at it, I, I believe is under 100. But again, we don't want like zero. Cholesterol <laughs> serves a purpose. We just want it to be in a, a healthy range. And I think of the levers for that primarily as more fiber. So fiber, I'm a big vegetable proponent. Fiber can come from vegetables, can also come from fruits and greens and beans if people do those, or even like a psyllium husk or something like that. I usually uh, like to have people consume their fiber through food, but whatever we need to do to get fiber in us is going to help the LDL. Water as well. We need to be appropriately hydrated to have a healthy cholesterol balance. And then limiting some of those trans fats or uh, low quality oils, industrial seed oils, restaurant fry basket oils, that kind of stuff can help the LDL. And then the third component of your traditional total cholesterol number is triglycerides. And triglycerides are a slightly different type of particle than the HDL and LDL, but the primary food and lifestyle levers for that are really sugar, things that turn into sugar, alcohol, uh, some kind of processed foods and additives. So if we put all these together, we can realize that actually eating a whole foods diet, robust in fiber from vegetables, fruits, all of that kind of stuff with enough water adequate movement and reducing some of the processed foods, those are basically the keys to a healthy cholesterol number. So I like this. So is there probably, there has to be a connection then between blood sugar and cholesterol 
especially with triglycerides and sugar. So do you see um, if people are having issues with optimal cholesterol numbers, are you also seeing issues with um, blood sugar and insulin? Absolutely. So it's if I were to draw all the ways that they were connected, the map would look like something a third grader drew, like all kinds of crazy scribbles all over the place because they're so connected in so many ways. The easiest way to draw a connection is that the foods that lead to dysregulation of blood sugar also lead to dysregulation of cholesterol. So we could just blame it on the processed food industry because certainly they're making our job hard over here, but those cause both. Then more intricately, there are connections like when you're insulin resistant, which happens mm -hmm. when you have increased your blood sugar over and over and over and over and over, your blood vessels have more propensity to be damaged by things like uh, the, the wrong quality cholesterol particles. So being insulin resistant and having a cholesterol issue then makes you much more likely to have an adverse cardiovascular event like a heart attack or something like that. Certainly not saying if someone has heard they're insulin resistant, they're going to have a heart attack tomorrow. Absolutely not. But these things do lead to each other. It's why metabolic syndrome is the combination of kind of all of this. It's like blood sugar and excess adiposity in the abdominal area and blood pressure dysregulation and cholesterol dysregulation. It all leads together. And that's basically like describing our crisis in American mm -hmm. healthcare right now. Yeah. I mean, 98% of Americans have some type of metabolic disorder and um, yes. it's not you know, I think it's, I don't know, I feel like it's well known that um, women with PCOS also are at a greater risk for heart issues. And it is because of that insulin yes. resistant connection. Um, we talk about blood sugar a lot on here. <laughs> I feel like people yes. probably want to smack me over their head. They're like, you talk about it so much, but it is the foundation for so that many That is so things. important. Yeah, it really is. Yes. Ladies, have you thought about all of the toxins that are in your skincare, all the endocrine disruptors, artificial fragrance that you are putting on your skin? Because we truly want anti-aging skincare that makes everything just look amazing. But at the same time, you feel like you're struggling with all of the toxins that you're putting on your skin. Well, you don't have to actually choose. You can have non-toxic skincare and anti-aging skincare that actually works. And this is why I use Purity Woods. They are certified organic, which is awesome. They're paraben-free. They have absolutely no fragrance, zero, no scent. And I know that you've heard me talk about my favorites, which are the dream cream, the night cream, and the eye cream. But I want to spend a couple moments just telling you about the eye cream because the skin around your eyes is so sensitive and I just feel like we should think a little bit more about toxins that you're putting very close to your eyes, okay? We want non-toxic skincare everywhere, but especially around our eyes, okay? So why does theirs work so well? They have an organic extract of maple leaves, which is amazing because it blocks the breakdown of elastin. That's what makes your skin look saggy. So hello, we want bright uplifted eyes. It also helps eliminate the appearance of age spots. On top of that, they have turkey tail mushroom. 
which helps fight against free radicals. Free radicals, think about that is causing your body to rust. So free radicals are going to make your skin look damaged, uneven, and aged. So yes, we want turkey tail in there to balance inflammation levels, help combat age spots, all of that good stuff. And on top of that, it also has bakuchiol, which is basically the safer version of retinol. So it has the benefits of retinol without the side effects of retinol. You don't get the drying side effects. You don't get the um, hormone disruption of retinol. So you can get the benefits of that with bakuchiol and erase the look of fine lines and wrinkles and reduce the look of your under bags, under bags, under eye bags and sagging. So I really, really like that one. I use that one. I use their dream cream and I use their night cream, which is the one with the tremella mushroom. I love them all. So you can turn back time on the appearance of your skin with Purity Woods Age Defying Dream Cream. Purity Woods is currently offering 17% off site wide, but you guys get an additional 10% off discount for being a listener of the podcast for a total savings of 27%. Go to puritywoods.com slash Leah or enter code Leah at checkout for an additional 10% off your first order. That's P-U-R-I-T-Y-W-O-O-D-S.com. Enter the code Leah, L-E-A-H, for a total of 27% off your first order. Let what do we say then? So let's say someone, um, let's say they do have insulin resistance, or maybe their um, cholesterol is higher than optimal. Like, wh- what are some areas that they should be looking in and starting in? Because I know, like, standard American, like you have high cholesterol. Well, a you know they start talking about statin, but also they're like, you need to eat more oatmeal and don't eat eggs, <laughs> and that's yeah. all you get. Yeah, that's all you get and even the u.s government who is quite slow on some of these nutrition things they reversed their stance on eggs in 2015 and finally said like oh yeah eggs are not the cause of the cholesterol problem so that's great um what I did say about LDL is that fiber is helpful. And it is true that oatmeal has fiber, but we know that oatmeal is a crazy blood sugar spiker. So if someone loves their oatmeal, I'm going to say, okay, great. Let's cut down the portion set. You can actually stir some eggs into oatmeal and it makes mm-hmm. it like fluffier and look like more voluminous. Let's have half of your portion. Yeah, it's, it's. Um, I'm not an oatmeal lover, so I don't do it on a regular <laughs> basis. But if I- loved it and wanted to have it even with stable blood sugar. That's what I would do. And that's what some of my clients do. And then add on some chia seeds, maybe some vanilla protein powder to make it taste like cake batter oatmeal, some flax seeds, some almond butter on top. What can we do to add in healthy protein and fat in order to get you to have your oatmeal if that's what you really want? If you don't care about oatmeal like me, I'm going to say, let's focus on fiber from other sources like Again, vegetables, I'll probably say vegetables 89 times in this podcast because I really think even when people think they're eating healthily and they come to me, then I'll have them tally their vegetable servings for a week and they're like, oh, I ate two this week, oops, and there's always room for improvement there. So um, I think that's really important. And then what you were saying is, what do we do if we have some of these adverse numbers? I'm sure you would agree. It depends on the person. I work with a lot of like 
CEOs and high power mm -hmm. people who have a million things on their plate. And for me to tell them, oh, well, you just have to like spend two hours making breakfast and then spend <laughs> four hours making lunch and then do eight hours of yoga, they're going to be like, absolutely not. So usually I start with whatever steps they can take to get towards a more whole foods diet, manage some stress, which we could talk mm -hmm. a lot about stress and heart health and brain health and all of that, get some sleep, get some more water, make some trade-offs between mm -hmm. like most people know if they're drinking a bunch of soda, for example, they probably know it's not optimal for their health mm -hmm. overall. So help them make some gentle trade-offs that feel sustainable. Mm -hmm. I, so a lot of things that you mentioned, it's, it's just crazy how these simple things that we are told are generally good for everybody. Like everybody should be kind of focusing on these things, but hearing like this will, you'll see this in your lab work. Like if you do yeah. this, you will see X, Y, Z change. I think can be really motivating, you know, for some people, because I think, you know, they're like, well, I know I should drink enough water and I know I should, you know, eat more vegetables. But, you know, I think when you are faced with the hard reality of your labs look like X, Y, Z, you go, oh, oh, yeah. okay, I'll make some changes now. But um, especially managing stress, stress, blood sugar, fiber, I mean, water, if you nail those four. <laughs> yes, it is brutal. You were talking about blood sugar and I know for me, I first put on a continuous glucose monitor. I think, I think it was like September of 21 or maybe it was 2020. I don't know. It was a stressful time. And I'm thinking like, oh, it's going to be great. I teach this stuff all day. I eat super healthily, like no problem. My blood sugar is going to be amazing. And I was in my mind, now looking back, really stressed about it. And so everything I ate that I thought had the smallest potential of spiking my blood sugar, like maybe I eat some blueberries after a meal or something like that. I was like, oh my gosh, looking at the thing, refresh, refresh, refresh. And I saw humongous spikes from that, like abnormal spikes that I would not expect from a half cup blueberries or something. So I had to really come to terms with myself and say, Megan, this is a tool let mm -hmm. yourself just learn from it and drop the crazy incessant ruminations. And literally my blood sugar dropped like instantaneously as soon mm -hmm. as I just stopped stressing about it. So it's not always that simple. Of course, there are real foods that spike our mm -hmm. blood sugar. You talk about this stuff all the time, you know it, but stress is amazingly powerful with blood sugar mm -hmm. and thus all this other stuff. Yeah, it is. And I, I love continuous glucose monitors because I think they're very objective numbers, you know, and I, I find them yeah. very helpful, especially with insulin resistant, um, clients, because it's, you have, you have to, when you're insulin resistant, you have to work a little harder. You do have to work a little bit yeah. harder to reverse that. And sometimes those yeah. very straightforward numbers are helpful, but I think it's really easy as it is with any of your health goals to get overly consumed with it. And you're like constantly scanning, which can be stressful. So it's like, okay, yeah. scan once, scan again in six hours, scan again in six hours, and then just look at it at the end of the day. Like once it's done, yes. okay, where can I improve versus like literally watching your blood sugar go up going, oh my goodness, it's raising, it's raising. <laughs> Yes. I wish you had told me that four years ago. 
And, and again, it's easier to say it as a practitioner than to do it. But I bet you, if I had looked back, I'd probably scanned over a hundred times that first day. And that's just not going to be helpful. Yeah. It can get, it can get stressful really fast. Um, Okay. So you kind of touched on it already, but you said when cholesterol is too low, um, that's not great. And it will actually impact your brain health. Can you talk about that? Because there's definitely a connection you see, even um, some heart surgeons are talking about this with um, patients being on statin and then getting like Alzheimer's, you know, their, their brain just does not function well after that. So could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think the precise mechanisms, we still have some room to go in figuring it out, but you're right that the research does show this connection. And so I'm not here to say no one ever in the history of the world should be on a statin. That's not my place to say, and uh, you should talk to your doctor about that. However, I do have a strong opinion that we are over lowering cholesterol, that Mm -hmm. we're just thinking, oh, high cholesterol bad. So let's lower it for everyone. People joke about putting statins in the drinking water. And I'm like, oh my goodness, there could not be a worse thing because I care so much about my brain. Our brains, if we take out the water, which clearly you don't want to do this at home. If we did take out the water, it's mostly fat. Our brain loves fat and is made of fat and cholesterol and fat go hand in hand. So if we're depleting our brain of that fat, which is the bulk of its matter, it just can't operate efficiently. Of course, our brain interacts with hormones too, and cholesterol is the foundational uh, building block for several hormones. So if we just drain the reservoir too much, we don't have what we need to function appropriately. Yeah. Fats are so good, like for your nervous system and your myelin sheath. And, you know, whenever people are like, yes. I feel like you stepped on my last nerve. I'm like, oh, you need some more good fats. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So important. So let's say then like when we're talking about brain health, um, cause we all want to not have brain fog. We want to be sharp. We want to do our best to prevent, um, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia. Where, where are people looking? What are you needing to start with? What are you needing to focus on? Okay. So I think those couple of questions you asked are related, but maybe somewhat separate or somewhat distinct. So I'll start with brain fog, which I think is the first thing you said. I'll give the bad news first and then maybe the news that people want to hear after that. I do find that for someone eating the standard American diet, if they cut gluten for a short period of time, they will realize that gluten was contributing to their brain fog. Now, I personally choose not to eat gluten because it doesn't make me feel good. So I'm, I'm zero gluten. But I don't think that everyone has to be zero gluten. I do think that the average American eating eight plus servings of gluten per day, it's just not a recipe for success when we're trying to think all day and have our brain operate appropriately. So I definitely encourage people to start there. Just give yourself a trial period of not having gluten, which then also leads to not having refined grains as much. Of course, you could get whatever, like rice flour tortilla or something like that. But in general, when people do that, they reduce their refined grains and that leads to more stable blood sugar and that Mm -hmm. leads to better brain fog. So it's a great experiment. 
But then other things that people can do for brain fog are really make sure that we're getting enough micronutrients. So we think a lot about macronutrients, protein, fat, and carbs. They're all important, but micronutrients are really important too. And these are the vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and phytochemicals and all this good stuff that's in whole food, basically, again. So when we think of a rainbow of natural food products, not like Skittles rainbow, but uh, other natural colors from food, those are great for our brain health. The polyphenols in particular of like blueberries and, and even chocolate. Chocolate's my favorite food, so I'll always throw it in there anytime I possibly can. Those are very important, getting a wide variety of nutrients from plants. Magnesium, since I just mentioned chocolate, I cannot mm -hmm. uh, overemphasize that for brain fog and, and brain function in general. For our nervous system, it's so great. And most of us are depleted in magnesium because of our soil quality and our stress and our staring at screens all day and our lack of sleep and all of that. So yeah. supplementing with magnesium is good. I mean, there are so many things. I'll stop myself on brain fog and see what you had added. <laughs> I actually want to circle back um, to something you were saying okay. because you were talking about gluten-free. And have you ever read the book, um, Grain Brain? Yes. A long time ago. Is that yeah. David Perlmutter? Um, I'm so bad at remembering the authors. I'll have to double okay. check. It's okay. Um, I always remember the titles. I'm like, oh, but yeah, I should, I should remember the authors because they put all that awesome work together for me to read. Um, but what you were talking about there is I just think so interesting because when people go gluten-free, I feel like there's multiple ways they go and the benefits you will see depends on which way you choose. You know, sometimes yes, you'll go gluten-free and it's like, all the gluten-free boxed mixes. And they're like, oh, it's gluten-free. Yes. I can eat it. But that's also not helping what you said, your your blood sugar. And blood sugar does play a really big role in brain fog. And a lot of the things that do contain gluten are things that are very processed, um, high glycemic carbs like pasta, like bread, you know, your bagels, your pastries. And so when you remove those, you're also removing, you know, a lot of blood sugar spikes. So I think that is a, a big thing there. But then also, oh my goodness, I'm going to choke on my own spit. Um, oh no. And in pastries, that's a lot of calories. So if you aren't eating that, yeah. you're going to find other things because you're going to be hungry. And, you know, if you're eating that nutrient dense, rich food, you have to eat a lot more of it to reach that same caloric level. And so then I also think you're getting more nutrient variety because you literally have to eat more in order to be satiated. Yes. Which is so amazing. I, I like, I'm a volume eater. I love to eat. I really enjoy food. So when you tell me, oh, you have to eat more, I am thrilled about it. I know there are some people who are not like me and they're like, oh, I have to chew through all those vegetables. I'm like, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, or we put them in a smoothie or whatever we find a way, but it's a great thing. Instead of saying, oh, I'm going to trade my white bread for gluten-free bread. Why don't we, what I call think outside of the bun, find other options that will make you feel so much better. There are infinite possibilities out there. And it's such a good point. Thank you for making it on the gluten-free, the, the one way yeah. and the other way. Yeah. Well, I get that all the time when people are um, eating gluten-free and they're, they, they'll say, I'm so excited to add carbs back in. And I'm like, 
what? You're eating carbs. You ate a potato. But they seem to yes. really get bread and carbs like intermingled. You know, there's so many other yes. awesome carbs out there besides bread. Absolutely. I think potatoes, like you just said, are great food. Also, people don't realize that celery is a carb, kale is a carb. So when we demonize carbs, no one would ever say like, oh, celery is the problem of the average mm -hmm. American diet. And it's mostly all carbs. Carbs are great. We just want to focus on the right sources of carbs that mm -hmm. fuel our body and our activity levels and not so much on the refined carbs. Yeah. And if you're, I mean, if you're aiming to hit your fiber goal, you know, you're going to be choosing the the carbs that have that higher fiber, like the beans and the lentils and the kale. And by the way, though, like oven roasted kale with like black truffle salt. I mean, that is so good. Ooh. Like so good. Yes. Next level with the truffle salt. I like that. Yeah. I don't know where I picked that one up, but that is how I will forever eat kale. <laughs> Yum. I'm going to try it. It's, it's a good, it's a good treat. Um, okay. So let's continue on then. So let's say Alzheimer's, dementia, all of this runs in the family. What do you need to do to start protecting your brain? Like what should you be doing with your lifestyle, your nutrition? Yeah. I would think of three primary things. There are sugar, fat, and we're not saying more or less of either of those. It's kind of a nuance, which we'll go through in a second. And then challenging your brain in the appropriate way. So for sugar, Alzheimer's is being called type three diabetes by a yeah. lot of people. There is a direct correlation between insulin resistance, blood sugar dysregulation, and the development of Alzheimer's. So I would definitely say focus on your blood sugar stability now. Alzheimer's develops, depending on the research that you look at, up to 20 to 30 years before the diagnosis. So mm -hmm. we, I'm in my late 30s. A lot of my clients are in my 40, their 40s, 50s, whatever. That is the time to really be focusing on their blood sugar stability to make sure that we don't develop it in the future. And that does not mean you can't have the cupcake on your birthday or whatever is really important to you. It's really the daily added sugar mm -hmm. that we need to focus on. Then two is fat. So we do show a correlation, especially when you said Alzheimer's is in my family. There is a strong gene called the APOE gene, which people have all kinds of different alleles or, or variants. Mm -hmm. So if someone's APOE 4-4, that's the highest risk of Alzheimer's based on genetics alone, I would have them really seriously focus on their quality of fats. We still do need fats. We've talked about the importance of fat for the brain, but in that case, we really want to stay away from trans fats, processed fats, all of the detrimental kind of fats and make sure even if someone has a really high um, uh, risk based on genetics, I would have them get a lot of their, uh, fats from plant-based fats. I am an omnivore. I think many people <laughs> feel best, uh, living an omnivore, omnivorous lifestyle, but fats in particular, if we eat too much of the wrong types of animal fats, like too much, 
uh, low quality bacon or something like that, <laughs> and you have this ApoE44 genetic yeah. tendency, you are likely to have issues with that. So moderating the quality of that. And then the third pillar is to challenge your brain appropriately. So we have always thought like, oh, just do a crossword puzzle every day or something like that. That's great. I love crossword puzzles. I'm not bashing them, but we really want all kinds of different challenges. So we want to learn a dance. We want to go garden. We want to learn a new language, like just keep stretching our brain mm -hmm. and not overtaxing our brain. I don't have any research on this, but I believe that we will in the next couple of years or decades for sure that the chronic looking at our computer for 15 hours oh, a day, which yeah. I am not perfect on either. I just can't imagine that that's great for our brain. Your, your eyes are actually an extension of your brain. Your eyes are technically considered part of your brain and the eye strain that we have from all this technology. I think it's gotta be bad for these chronic mm -hmm. neurodegenerative conditions. Mm, I never thought about that. <laughs> it's a good yeah, point though. I know. Um, okay. So this is I let's come, come back to sugar. So, because yes. I think it's, um, obviously like when you have natural sugars, it's not as impactful to inflammatory levels, like eating, you know, like you said, McDonald's fries or McDonald's like smoothie or something like that. But I think that it is so important to have a realistic objective view of what you are actually eating. I'm a big fan of like just doing a week food journal. Just like do a week, see what you're actually yeah. eating. Because so often I hear people say, I 100% like eat healthy. I do the 80-20 lifestyle. And, you know, I'm sure you see this. Sourdough is so in right now. And yeah. yep. sourdough can be useful for for people, you know, but if you are someone that is very sensitive to gluten, I'm sorry, but you cannot ferment your way out of that. I and, completely agree. And it's like, I'll see these sourdough pancakes with maple syrup and they're like, it, it's natural sugar and they're sourdough pancakes. And that's where, that's where I'm a big proponent of, please just check your blood sugar after that, because it's, I, I, I love quality ingredients and I want us to focus on quality ingredients, but I also don't want us to not like realize that even though it's a, it's a better ingredient, it doesn't take away the fact that it's still sugar. Like that sourdough is still going to turn into sugar in your body. That maple syrup is still going to raise your glucose, you know, and it, it doesn't have as many of the additives. So you're not having all of those side effects from the additives. Like, let's say if you were drinking like a latte from Starbucks, but at the same time, you are still raising your glucose levels quite high, I may say, if you ever actually test yes. it. Yes. I could not agree more. It's like, I hate to be the bearer of bad news because I love seeing people get excited in the kitchen. And I think it's cool that they're excited about baking their own bread instead of buying a loaf of white bread mm -hmm. that's been sitting on the shelves for three months. And if you're going to eat a slice of white bread, no matter what, would I rather eat sourdough made at home? Of course. But I definitely agree with you. We give these things the health halo because it's popular on Instagram or whatever, and we're not aware of all of the implications. So if someone has a 
let's say they have salmon and broccoli and um, roasted asparagus or whatever, and it's drizzled in olive oil and they want to have like a small piece of sourdough bread on the side mm -hmm. because they really, really love it. I'm going to be like, okay, fine. As long, let's pay attention to your blood sugar and your digestion mm -hmm. and whatever, but that might fit into your day if, if that's what you really prioritize. But the sourdough pancakes, like you said, mm -hmm. and the sourdough, like, oh, I ate eight slices of sourdough per day. And it was healthy because I made it mm -hmm. at home. Absolutely setting us up for not success. I, mm -hmm. I feel the same way about a lot of different trends where I just, I cringe a little bit. And I know that this world is confusing because everyone's yeah. shouting at each other. There's so much attention for, or, or hunger for attention mm -hmm. that people want to put out the, the sexy thing or the crazy thing about nutrition mm -hmm. and get eyeballs on it. But my goodness, if we all just come back to whole foods, it's going to be so much easier. Yeah, it really is. And I, I think if depending on how you digest gluten and like you said, how you fit it into your day, you know, pieces of it can truly fit into our day. I just I think we just go so overboard, um, especially because we we give it the label of it's homemade. So it's good for me. And I'm like. It doesn't have additives. So that is a massive, massive, massive step in the right direction. But you, we keep talking about blood sugar and we keep talking about blood sugar because it is so yes. important, um, you know, for your inflammation levels. And it's just, uh, it's just crazy to me too. I think, you know, when you're going meal to meal, you know, and you aren't, that's why I said, I like the food journal. I think we get a little bit too caught up into the 80 20 and don't realize that our 80 20 kind of like turned into 50 50 or 40 60 you know because yes. it's something for breakfast something in our coffee something for our snacks something with our lunch and something for our dinner and it's always like oh it's just a little bit and you know next meal will be whatever but if we keep saying oh it's just a little bit it's just a little bit that little bit turned into 50 percent of your day without you even paying attention and those are the things that I find creep up on you. You know, you think you're doing a really good job and you you don't understand why you're tired and why you have this brain fog and X, Y, Z. And those are typically the things I find that like they sneak up on you. I definitely agree. And then take it one step further. If someone's actually doing 50-50 during the day because of the creamer and the cookie after lunch and whatever, all these things, then layer on top of it, People say, oh, well, I, I eat healthily during the week. Now we know that's 50-50, but the weekends are a disaster. I hear that all the time. Then mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, what's the weekend? Is Sunday the weekend? Oh, yeah, that's the weekend. Is Sat Friday and Saturday? Yeah. Well, is Thursday the weekend? Yeah, it's like Thursday happy hour. Well, now we just took up <laughs> four out of seven days that are, quote, the weekend. Yeah. And we're only doing 50-50 on Monday through Wednesday. It really is very insightful to keep a food journal. I totally agree with you. And even if someone's not working with a practitioner, mm -hmm. I think keeping their own food journal on their own is very insightful. Yeah. And I know that everything that we might have just said could honestly be very triggering. Some people be like, I do not do that. That is not me. <laughs> and yeah. that's okay. Like I encourage you to sit with that and get curious with it. Um, and I myself will keep a food journal. Like every once in a while, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to do a week of a food journal because I think it's really easy to, to spiral out 
and not because you're living your life like you are and you're busy and you're taking care of your kids and you're taking your kids to events. And it's really easy to be like, well, I grabbed a meat stick and I grabbed a protein bar and oops, that was my lunch, you know? And yeah. Mm -hmm. Then you realize, well, I actually only ate one vegetable today. It, it's it's easy. It's yep. easy to happen. I completely agree. I'm the very first to say I'm not perfect at this. I'm always working on something myself. And like you, I keep a food journal periodically just to check in and make sure that my habits are making me feel my best. Because at the end mm -hmm. of the day, this is all empowerment. It's all choice. There's mm -hmm. no... Um, gold star that we get for getting to the end of the life and saying, I ate perfectly every single day. It's really just a choice to feel good. Yeah. And I know that the better food that I put in my body, the food that works for me and making sure I'm getting enough of the macronutrients and the micronutrients, that helps me feel awesome every day and have enough energy to do all the things I want to do. So that makes it worth it. It's not the should of like, oh, candy is bad. That's not really that motivating. It's, oh, candy actually makes me feel like I need to take a nap at 1 p.m. Okay, I'll choose not to have the candy today. But we might not realize that without the food journal on occasion. Yeah, I think it's easy to, you know, like you said, it's easy to let things kind of go out and not pay attention. And I know that saying of people where they're like, I'm not trying to live forever. So I'm not going to do XYZ with my nutrition. And the goal is not to live forever, but um, I would like to enhance the quality of life that you are going to live, which does come down to your daily choices. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, who knows what, when you and I get to the end of our life, what the average life expectancy will be. Sometimes I think it's going to be 150 and then the data <laughs> shows that it's getting younger and younger and younger, but zero. Zero people would disagree with the idea that we want good quality of life. So however long that is, let's just feel good as long as we can. Yeah, I agree. And I think that you are, you said a lot of your clients are in their like late thirties or forties. And I yeah. think that, you know, a lot of women do feel like they're invincible. You know, you have a lot yeah. of cellular vitality kind of like pulling you through until you've filled up your bucket. So then all your symptoms start, you know, kind of overflowing. I feel like late twenties, early thirties for a lot of women, sometimes it's earlier. And I really encourage you if you're someone who is younger and you're like, well, I'm fine with my, you know, McDonald's coffee. I feel fine. I just encourage you, you know, to look at the health of your parents and your grandparents and those around you because, you know, what you're doing now is is affecting your health years from now and your kids' health, honestly. So I think it's important to just kind of take a moment for that because um, someone who said this, um, I think it was an NLP uh, practitioner. She was saying that something she was concerned about was that if she never had any symptoms, would she still eat healthy? Because she's like, right now I eat so healthy because it manages my symptoms. Um, and that was a fear of hers. And, you know, years down the road, she's like, I am symptom free and I still eat healthy. I would like to tell you guys that <laughs> because Amazing. I can definitely see that where it's like, some people eat healthy because they literally 
they have no other choice. They can't even function unless they eat a certain way. But, you know, if you didn't have to, like, would you still do that, you know, for your, for your future self? I would just hope we can all get to the place where we respect our bodies enough that we want to take care of it. Right now, at least we only get one body on this planet and there are lots of knee replacements and things like that that are possible. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you only get this one body. And I know that there are lots of hurt people out there that can't get to the place where they love their body yet. But I just hope for all the listeners that they can get to that place because it's such a gift for you and your family and your community and everyone that you impact to take care of your body. It's really, it's huge. It's the greatest gift you'll ever be given. Yeah, I agree. So do you have any last words you'd like to share with everybody? Where can the people find you? What do you do? All of the things. Absolutely. So last. Last words, I always like to put it back in the listener's hands because sometimes we'll listen to the podcast. I do this too. And I'll be like, this is amazing. And this is amazing. I want to do this 15 things. And we know that we can't change 15 15 things from a podcast. So I would just ask the listeners to kind of go inside and think about the one thing that they think would make the biggest difference. Maybe they realize it's the soda or maybe it's the Uh, They need to get up from their desk and go for a walk or whatever. But if I had a magic button and you could push it and make one change, what would that be? Now make a plan to think about how you're actually going to do that one thing. Changing one thing is much better than trying to change 15 and then feeling overwhelmed and give them some belief in themselves. They can do it. We can make these changes even when they feel hard. So I hope you feel empowered from today. Uh, In terms of where people can find me, I'll direct them to my website where I have tons of all kinds of goodies. I've been blogging every week since 2013. So anything you want to search on there, it's probably there um, in some form. I I have my podcast over there, my social media and how to work with me. My team and I see all kinds of different people for various conditions. And we just love to connect with anyone. And the website is thelionshare.org, L-Y-O-N-S. And I will make sure that I link that below so everybody can grab it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Balancing Hormones Naturally. If you found this helpful, I would love for you to share it with a friend and post it on your stories and tag Balancing Hormones Naturally podcast so we can get this message out. You can find me on Instagram at Leah underscore B-R-U-E-G and I would absolutely love to hear from you.